Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. to uh, focus my my sharing today around the area of covenant relationships. One of the primary areas of satanic attack to the church is the area of our covenant relationships, and there's no doubt about that. He will try everything he can in order to keep us divided, Uh, frustrated in our relationships, isolated. And as long as he can do that, I believe he will always keep us in the place of weakness as well of ineffectiveness when it comes to kingdom uh, fruitfulness. What I want to share today is all about relationships and being able to work and to function together under a corporate grace as opposed to an individual grace that we have all received from the Lord Jesus, or you could call it a corporate anointing. Now, the fellowship we meet on this platform and before the platform, uh, we met at a physical place now for over 20 years we decided many years ago to name this fellowship a corporate house of prayer. And uh, most of you that have walked the journey with us, I'm sure you are aware of that. Now, I don't know how much corporate praying we do, but that is what we decided to name it over 20 years ago. And I believe we have We have had and we have seen some working together over the years and we've made some progress in our our working together as pastors and leaders. But I believe that that, uh, and many of us have been assisted and ministered to over the years, some of us more than others, of course. But I believe that, that we fell short of what God intended for us when he gave birth to this fellowship through Ken and Ann. Now, I'm not pointing fingers at anyone, because if you're part of a, of a body, then you are also part of the responsibility that is placed upon your shoulders to make uh, the fellowship success. What we put in, that's exactly what we get out. Now, according to the scriptures, there is available to the body that God placed us in abounding grace. And Paul talks about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. He says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Peter talks about multiplied grace. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, 
He said, grace and peace be multiplied to you. So we see that there is grace that is much greater than our own individual grace. And the ultimate purpose of God is for his church to learn to function under a corporate grace, relying on each other's strength as opposed to fighting our own isolated battles individually on our individual grace. In Romans chapter 12, the Bible speaks of seven different graces, or you may call them grace gifts, that are made available to us by virtue of our relationship with the body that God placed us in. And he goes on to list them, prophecy, ministry, teaching, exhortation, generosity, leadership, mercy, and all of those graces are within the body. All of these gifts, according to the scripture, they are made available to us, but we need to learn how to tap in them, I believe, and make use of them. And just because they are available to us or they belong to us, that does not mean they work independently or without our faith or cooperation. Paul, in his epistle to the Philippians, and I believe the Philippian church had a very special relationship with Paul and they with him. He said to them that they were sharers or partakers of his grace, the grace that was bestowed upon him because of their partnership or in the ministry of the gospel that he was called to to preach. And I just want to read to you uh, just a few verses from Philippians chapter 1, beginning with verse 3 to verse 5, and I'm going to read it from the Amplified Translation. There are some words that the Amplified brings out and highlights them, and that's what I want to focus on. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. In every prayer of mine, I always make my entreaty and petition for you all with joy. I thank my God for your fellowship, your sympathetic cooperation and contributions and partnership in advancing the good news, the gospel, from the first day you heard it until now. It is right and appropriate for me to have this confidence and feel this way about you all, because you have me in your heart and I hold you in my heart as partakers and sharers, one and all with me of grace, God's unmerited favor and spiritual blessing. The Greek translation, the last part of that says it this way, all of you are sharers and partakers of the grace that was given to me. And I feel that that is the right uh, translation, not because it's Greek, but because it says it the way Paul, (laughs) I believe, intended to share it. So relationships and partnerships in the kingdom of God are truly amazing. And I want to repeat that nowhere else in the world you can find relationships, the richness, the fulfillment of relationships as in the body of Christ. Take, for example, Paul the Apostle. 
Physically, he was so far away from those he related to. But yet, in the spirit, he was so close to them. Listen to what he said to them. You have me in your heart, and I hold you in mine. Just think about that for a moment. What a profound statement he makes. He says, you have me in your heart, and I hold you in mine. Can you get any closer than that? Obviously not. The people you relate to and they relate to you in that level of relationship, you always carry them with you wherever you go. You can be miles and miles away physically, but in the spirit, you are so close. To the Colossians, Paul said the following, For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Now, in the spirit, according to the scriptures, there is no distance with those you walk with. They can be thousands of miles away, but in the spirit, you are as close to them as your heart is. And the people God joins you to by his spirit are always with you. You carry them in your heart wherever you go, whether you are close to them physically or not. And this is the type of relationship I believe that Paul had with the Philippians and those he closely walked with. He may not have seen them in the flesh for months or even years. Remember, they didn't have the means that we have today. He couldn't jump on the plane and go visit with them. Probably had to wait for months and even years before he saw them physically. And yet he was so close to them in the spirit. And one of the reasons he felt so close to them, I believe, and they felt the same about him is because they continually prayed for each other and they held each other close to their hearts. And I believe they met regularly in the spirit as they lifted up each other in prayer. Not only that, but I also believe that they knew things about each other that they could only have known through the revelation of the spirit. That's why Paul says, I'm absent in the flesh, but in the spirit I'm present and I'm watching and I'm seeing your steadfastness and your faith. They also recognized, I believe, that they were part of a larger body than just individual and isolated believers. That's what godly relationships do. They contribute to our loneliness and our struggles especially in times of adversity. That's why the book of Proverbs says that adversity, um, a brother is born in a time of adversity. When we have adversity, God gives you a relationship to help you and to encourage you and to carry you through the difficult times. They also understood that their welfare and overcoming ability was in the fact that they were partakers of a much greater grace than just their own. A grace that was made available to them by virtue of the unity and recognition of the body of Christ. 
Acts 4.33 says, Great grace was upon them all. Why? Because they had such depth of relationships. They learned to rely on each other's strengths as they lived and they worked under an abounding grace that was made available to them by the virtue of the relationships they shared. In many places, we read in the New Testament how Paul calls regularly in his epistles upon those relationships for added strength and prayer. He says to the Philippians in 1.19, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. He writes to the Thessalonians in 5.25 and he says, Brethren, pray for us. In Hebrews 13, verse 18, pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. Then again, in his second epistle to the Thessalonians, chapter 3, verse 1, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. And we see over and over again, he urges and he pleads with those who were in relationship with him to pray for him and his ministry. To the Philippians, he said in Philippians 4.14, Nevertheless, you have done well and that you shared in my distress. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. And we see this great apostle relied heavily on the prayers and the support of his relationships. He was carried to victory because he understood how to draw strength and grace from those he walked with. I know this from my own personal experience over the years that I've been in ministry, that I owe if not all, every success in this ministry to these wonderful relationships who walked with me and carried me to victory by the generosity as well as the prayerful intercession. And I know this by revelation. More than once, I have been rescued and plugged out of the enemy's hidden traps by the prayerful intercession of my partners in the ministry. And through the years, I, I, I have not arrived at that place yet, but I believe I have learned to some degree to receive strength, to receive wisdom, to receive protection, encouragement from these precious relationships. And I felt over the years, especially the last few years, well covered uh, through these covenant relationships, and I thank God for each one of them. One of the reasons I believe God placed us in a community of believers is for the purpose of multiplying our abilities, our strength, as well as our resources. Paul says to those he relates to, you also share with me in the grace that is upon my life in ministry. 
In other words, he was saying, just as I share and I participate in the grace that is upon your life and have learned how to draw strength, prayer, encouragement from you, by the same token, you also share in the grace that is upon my life in ministry. And here is another profound statement he makes. He was saying that the same grace that was upon him, that enabled him to overcome every challenge and all the things that he faced and enabled him to succeed in his mission as an apostle was also made available to them because they were his partners in the gospel. Now, we ask the question, what kind of grace was bestowed upon Paul? I believe that it was the grace of an apostle of Jesus Christ. The apostolic grace was instrumental and beneficial in equipping, in restoring, and of course, establishing not just churches, but individuals in the faith. Listen to what he says in another place, Romans 1.11, For I long to see you, why? That I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is the apostolic grace is a grace gift that establishes people in the faith. And Paul shares with us here an, a vital principle that we need to discover and apply in our own walk with the Lord. And as I've mentioned, the Bible speaks of abounding grace, of a multiplied grace. And here is a mystery, I believe, that is hidden from the proud and those who like to isolate themselves from the rest of the body. You see, the proud can't receive they, they want to be self-made. They too embarrassed to admit weakness or failure. We, we'd love to talk about our victories. <laughs> we'd love to talk about that good part of us. But how many of us are willing to humble ourselves and speak of our failures as well as our weaknesses and the areas that so often we struggle with? Now, we can receive and tap into a multiplied grace through those we relate to and walk with the family of God, especially those who joined us to in the spirit. In other words, what I'm trying to communicate this morning is that we can work and function under a corporate and multiplied grace as opposed to our own individual grace by learning how to make demands on all the grace that is made available to us in the body. You see, when I, when I learn to function under this corporate anointing, and the corporate anointing is not just present when we come together physically in one place. There is a corporate anointing that resides on the group or the body of believers that God has joined you to. Whether you are together if physically or not, this is a spiritual thing and a spiritual principle. When I tap into this corporate grace that resides in the family that God connected me to, I become a thousand times stronger than I am on my own. 
The Bible says one of you will chase a thousand, but two of you will chase how many? Ten thousand. Imagine the multiplied strength that we receive from those we are in covenant with, provided the relationship is a healthy one and a genuine one. Now, this is one of the most I believe difficult transitions to make because it's humbling. It takes humility to admit and acknowledge you need help and you cannot do it on your own. Learning to rely on the grace that resides in the body of believers, God joined us to, I believe, is a major step uh, towards fruitfulness and spiritual success. Transitioning from an individual anointing to a corporate one is a major step towards spiritual maturity. And I believe this is one of the areas where we need to change our way of thinking from an individual mindset to a collective one. The Word of God says we have the mind of Christ. It doesn't say I have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ resides in the corporate community of the believers. We have the mind of Christ. So as we do that, I believe when we transition in our way of thinking, we are raised into another dimension in the spirit and are able to do and accomplish much more than what we can do on our own, working on our own. James writes the following in James 5.16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now, what does that tell us? What it tells me is that there is healing and there is deliverance in the body if we learn how to tap into it through fellowship, communication, and prayer. God's desire, ultimate desire, is for us as a body to live and work as a community of believers, functioning under a multiplied and great grace, united in mind, in spirit, as opposed to being isolated and separated from the community of believers that we were called to walk with. And so the question is, how can I function under this corporate grace? What does it take? How can I make use of this corporate anointing? The simple answer is that we learn to make demands on it. Just because this grace is available to us, it doesn't mean that it functions automatically. We have to make a demand on it by learning to reach out, call out, communicate with, and fellowship with the people you are called to walk with. You know, most times we call people when we need them. And that's good. But I believe the altar is to call people when we don't need them. How are you doing? What's happening? Fellowship. I've had this testimony from several people that they say to me, without you realizing it, through this communication, I've received things that I was praying for. And there are some things that God will not give you directly, 
but he will give it to you indirectly through the body. Paul had this experience where he was struck by lightning. He fell off his horse. He got born again. Remember what Jesus told him. He said, go into the city and there it will be told to you what to do. Now, why didn't Jesus give him that instructions directly? Why did he send him to a disciple? What was his name? I forget his name. There was a disciple that Jesus appeared to him in a dream and told him to go find Paul and minister to him. Yes, Shivan, I believe you have the... Ananias. Ananias. Why did he send Ananias? Why didn't Jesus give him direct what he needed to hear, what he needed to know? Because that's one of the way God ministers to us. And it's a primary way. There are certain things that he will only give you indirectly through the godly covenant relationships that is placed around you. So we have to make a demand on those relationships by learning to reach out to them, by learning to call out, by learning how to communicate and and pray and fellowship. So learning how to draw this out, <clears throat> I believe is a skill that we develop over time and practice. It doesn't come overnight. You know, <clears throat> sometimes I hear from members of our own spiritual family saying things like this, Pastor, I didn't want to bother you. You know, I know that you're a very busy man, so I just didn't want to bother you. But you know, guess where that statement comes from? Here you are struggling, you are agonizing, you, you find it difficult to overcome what you're facing, and you don't want to call out for help because you don't want to bother someone. That comes straight from the pit of hell. It's the devil who doesn't want you to reach out. He doesn't want you to receive the grace that you need or the help that you need or the counsel that you need in order to overcome what you're facing. He wants to keep you isolated and on your own. Even the Lord himself says in Hebrews 4.16, come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now that grace is available, but you're going to have to do something about it. You have to go, you're going to have to come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain what you need. The same principle, I believe, works in the body you're part of. You, you, you need to learn how to reach out and communicate and place a demand on what rightfully belongs to you because you're part of the same body. And as I say, <clears throat> uh, many of us, including myself, we find it difficult to do that because of pride. We don't want others to know, to know that we're struggling or see our weaknesses. We would rather show them our strengths or tell them about our victories rather than our weaknesses. And I believe this is something that we need to overcome if we desire to, to reach a place of abounding fruit in our ministry. Now, there are three stages, I believe, of spiritual growth, and I'm going to end with this. The first one is dependence. This is the stage where we are dependent on others to minister to us, pray for us, carry us 
spiritually speaking. And I believe this is the stage of newborn believers. For the first few months or maybe years, you heavily depend on others. You can't, you need, you need prayer, you need counsel, you need support and all of that. The second stage is independence. This is the stage where we can stand on our own two feet. Spiritually speaking, we can carry ourselves as a result of our spiritual growth and spiritual development. But there is a third stage, and that stage is called interdependence. The word interdependence means depending on each other. It is the quality or the condition of being reliant on each other. And this is the stage where we learn how to depend on the body, rely not just in our own grace, but in the strength that resides in the body God placed us in. And I believe this is the stage that we should pursue and function in as believers in Christ. We learn to trust and rely on the strength and the grace of our close brothers and sisters in the Lord. And all of us, don't matter who you are or how strong you are or what ministry you have, all of us need friendships and relationships as such, knowing that when we reach out to them or knock on their door, they will not turn us away. But they're going to labor with us and they're going to fight along with us. They're going to pray with us and fast with us until we receive our breakthrough. And these are the type of people who will not think any less of you because you shared your struggles and your shortcomings with them. Instead, they will walk with you and they will pray with you when you need them most. And for me personally, I have done this many times through the years for people that I'm in relationship with. I would go out with young men and fast and pray with them because they were seeking some breakthrough, some direction. I have agonized many a night on the behalf of others seeking God as I felt the weight of their burden upon my own heart. And sometimes, you know, you would know that without them reaching out to you. And as you walk in the spirit and are close in the spirit, you'll know what's going on in their lives. And so you would learn to you pick up these things in the spirit as you watch and pray for the people you are in covenant with or you are uh, in, in relationship with in the spirit. And so by doing that, according to Galatians, we bear one another's burdens. And by doing so, I believe we fulfill the law of Christ. And that's what's been on my heart. It's been running around for days in my spirit. And I wanted to share that with you. And I believe we should make it our aim to to pursue this kind of relationships and not just remain on a shallow surface level, but go deeper. Now, I realize you cannot do this with everybody. But there are some special relationships that God brings into our lives for this very purpose. And we need to recognize them. You see, recognition is the key that demands or places a demand on the grace that is upon your partner, that is upon the relationships that 
that you have in the body. Jesus said it in another word. He said, he who receives a prophet in the name of the prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. Now, the first thing that you need to do is to recognize a prophet before he operates as a prophet. And what is the prophet's reward? It's deliverance. It's the grace and the anointing that rests on that man of God or that grace that is given to him. And we see that how in the Old Testament, two women experienced the prophet's reward. The widow in Sarephah was delivered from death with her son because she ministered to the prophet. She fed him. The other one, the Shunammite woman, who received and ministered to the prophet. And as a result, she placed a demand on that prophet and she was able to do what she could not do on her own faith. She fell pregnant, something that she desired for a very long time, and she was not able to do it. But when she placed the demand on the grace that was on the prophet, you know, she didn't ask for anything. She wasn't even looking for anything. There was a prophet. She recognized him as a prophet, and she offered ministry and hospitality. The prophet didn't ask for anything. She was moved because she recognized that special anointing on the prophet. As she ministered to him, she placed that demand, and there was a grace that was released that was greater than hers and enabled her to fall pregnant. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.